This is Toastcaster, your communication leadership and learning lab, your host, Greg Gazin, speaker, blogger, author, and syndicated veteran columnist of Troy Media. Episode 146, A Scientist's View from Protecting You from Your Phone and Yourself, with our guest, June Lai. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of Toastcaster. We have a special guest today, June Lai. She is the founder and CEO of Catalyst. That's a global consumer high-tech, high-performance electronics accessory brand. June also oversees the research and development at the company. In fact, I read in an article that she was quoted as, she's in the business of inventing unique patented products that combine world-class design with performance. I've also discovered that June has quite an incredible history. She's been a scientist, a financier, an accountant, a climber, a pilot. And if that's not enough, she was a featured extra number three in an advertising video. Originally from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, but now currently living in Hong Kong. June Lai, welcome to the program. Thank you, Greg. It's nice to meet you virtually. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Before we get to the nuts and bolts of what we're going to talk about, could you provide perhaps, let's call it the shortened cold notes version of how you got started in all this, but ended up being a CEO of a high-tech accessories company? That's a great question. So I actually was a scientist first in my career. I studied biochemistry in Canada, in Vancouver. I worked in the lab, so I was cloning genes, purifying proteins, working in biotech, and also worked in environmental toxicology. So we were trying to remediate oil sands, wastewaters. Because I did that in academia and I also worked in industry, I had a really broad foundation of science to begin with. I wanted to cross that with business because I was really good with numbers. My mom's an accountant. That's kind of what prompted me to go back and do my MBA, CFA, CPA, and ultimately graduate from my MBA and work in finance first. So I used to cover healthcare biotech companies and worked in drug development. And then I got an opportunity to work in finance in Hong Kong. I got to do deals, travel all around Asia. And after a while, I got tired of really working long hours. So I quit my job. I went traveling around the world. I got my pilot's license. And then I came back to Hong Kong. At that time, I started a company with my co-founder, who was my first climbing partner in Hong Kong. Josh is an amazing, award-winning designer, and he's done everything from designing footwear, backpacks, bags, like building brands, brand expression, to kitchen products, to all sorts of things. And we found that our skill set was really complementary. Um, we're the polar opposites. And it really helped to build a really interesting company because I had the business background and I had the scientific way of thinking. And he was a designer and how we solve problems is very, very different. So we're both problem solvers, but we approach things from a completely different way. That led us to start Catalyst uh, over 10 years ago. Now, I, I think I, I was looking at our IP. We have over 400 pieces of intellectual property. Inventing products is part of our DNA. And when I go back to my roots in science, that just meant that we're used to thinking about things kind of differently. You don't always know the answer, but you might have a hypothesis about something working and test those theories. 
This started 10 years over 10 years ago with our first waterproof case for the iPhone. At that time, we were using the three uh, iPhone three. Josh said, "Why don't we build a waterproof case? Because we were spending all our time outside. We'd want to take it outside, but it was." too dangerous to pull it out just to take photos or use to navigate. And so I would leave my phone in the top of my backpack and never take it out. That's how the company got started. The rest is history. So now we sell in 70 countries around the world. We have a broad product portfolio and we're known for inventing new categories of products that just didn't exist before. The waterproof product is just some of the product that you you offer, but the the fact that it's waterproof is really important. And I'm thinking back in the early days is that, and you mentioned you're going backpacking. When you first start with with a waterproof type product, initially when you think about it way back when, it was to protect it from maybe falls. You know, you don't want it dropping into the sink or the toilet. You don't want to get sand on it in the beach. As time evolved, all of a sudden your phones are becoming almost like appendages where you're taking them everywhere. So it's not just a matter of protecting them from a fall, but it's actually purposefully using them in an environment. So for example, if you wanted to take these beautiful pictures with your iPhone 11 underwater, you could actually do it. But now we've come to a third stage where cases, the waterproof cases are being used for more than just protecting it from water. That's true. What's been going on in the world with the COVID pandemic You know, there's a lot of situations where people have to be a lot more careful, especially if they're working on the front lines in healthcare. And so with our cases, we actually have one of the only solutions in the world where you can do this. Your iPhone is fully protected inside a waterproof catalyst case. You can wash it with soap and water. The CDC recommends that you actually wash, which is um, cleaning your device by using soap and water, what that does is that reduces the burden of germs and dirt on the surface of the the device. And then secondly, you can disinfect it. And we recommend that you disinfect your device using 70% isopropyl alcohol or 70% ethanol. And that's been proven to kill 22 types of coronaviruses. There was a a study done on coronaviruses, including SARS-CoV. It's really interesting with disinfectants, actually. Um, You have to test the disinfectant to make sure that it works on the specific threat that you have, whether that's bacteria, viruses, specific types of viruses. We looked at what had been tested and shown to work, and that's how we came up with our disinfection protocol. There's some other things you have to think about. You have to look at Is that um, disinfectant compatible with the device or the case itself, like whatever surface you're using? It's really common to use bleach because bleach will denature a lot of germs. Now, the, the issue with that is if you leave bleach for the recommended time, which I think is something like five or 10 minutes, it takes a long time actually to inactivate the virus. By that time, your case, if you're using one, is going to completely discolor and it probably changes the material properties of the device. So we actually have to look at the chemical compatibility of any disinfectant that we use. You're basically talking about disinfecting the case. What about the phone itself? Is there something that they can do with that? Can you really wash your phone? Because my understanding is you have a coating, for example, on the screen. And if you try to use some kind of chemical, or I'm not even sure of soap and water, whether or not you're actually going to destroy the surface of it, or is that just a myth? Definitely don't use soap. I think for a lot of devices, they they claim to be waterproof, but really that depends on the seal. And for you're right, for a lot of the coatings, they're not compatible with most disinfectants. So 
you have to be really careful what you clean your devices with, especially inside the ports. And so that's one of the nice things with the catalyst case. It seals around ports and it keeps everything kind of enclosed. So you don't risk exposing your device. Because what that does is that changes the material properties. Even with the Apple Watch, we have a waterproof case for that. And if you get soap in the ports, it can actually uh, affect it from some of the buttons from actuating or the sound from working properly. It's getting inside the internal components and that becomes a problem. So the cases themselves are developed and designed to resist the effect of sort of wearing out the the materials. Is that sort of how that works? Yes. So we need to look at what kind of disinfectants or what chemicals you're exposing. Uh, So this is going into, you know, the material properties of whatever you're using for to make the case. Now, in our waterproof cases, it's a little bit more complicated because, for example, with our waterproof case for the iPhone 11, I know there's 46 component parts. Wow. Very complicated product. We don't use one manufacturer to make that product. And then we pull everything together. We create the product and assemble it. And then we have to do 100% testing to make sure it's waterproof to its rating. And the tolerances are as small as 0.05 millimeters. Because of the amount of precision involved with waterproofness, it's the weakest part that fails. So we have to do 100% testing to make sure it's waterproof before we ship the device. But we also have to double check that all of those materials are chemically compatible with whatever we say that you should expose it to. So any companies that's making a recommendation on how to clean their devices should really tell you what is compatible with the parts that go into your product. Otherwise, with materials like plastics, they can stress crack, those coatings on devices, they're not compatible with surfactants like soap, so they shouldn't really be used. It actually will make some materials brittle, and so so your device might be more prone to dropping. And so it's going to reduce the wear, like sorry, increase the wear and reduce the lifespan of your device. I had no idea. As you were speaking, you were telling me about these 46 components. All of a sudden in my mind, I had this image of a car assembly line where all of these pieces are put together. And then at the end of all this, they're putting the paint on the car and then they're putting the clear coat on the car. And then they have to keep going back to the drawing board to make sure that whatever materials or whatever substances people were using to clean their cars weren't actually wiping it off. I, I didn't realize it was such a sophisticated process that you had to go through. Yeah, I, I you know, most people don't realize we, we look like we're a deceptively simple product, but it's a very, very complicated product. And our business is very much like, I guess I, I describe it as kind of like a car company. There's just so many parts that go into it and you have to think about it from so many different angles. And I think that that's why we've been able to look at the total protection needs that you have. So it's, you're right. The threat is not just water right now. It's going to be the germs that you're exposed to. It's bacteria, it's viruses. So there was a study that showed that your phone can contain more germs than your toilet because you're touching things all day long and you're not thinking about, oh, I'm cleaning it. You're touching your face, you're touching food, you drop your phone. It's a breeding ground. You're using it so much. It's become your baby. It's the thing that you go to. And in between, you're touching everything else. Yeah. 
as I as we were talking offline, I'd mentioned you had gone out for a walk, and I was right nearby a food court, and I was watching someone who was handling food, but yet she washed her hands, et cetera, et cetera. Then of course she picked up her phone. She was using her phone, and then she put it back in her pocket, you know, not knowing how clean that phone was, and if there was anything sitting on the surface of that phone, or if there was something sitting inside her pocket. Now all of a sudden, that's going to be on the next surface that she actually touches. Yeah. And so you really want to clean your device regularly, especially with COVID right now, because it's rare. But if you had any virus on the surface of your device, you know, and then you touch your face, you could transmit the virus to yourself. I've seen companies come out with these UV sanitation uh, devices. You know, I just want to caution people that those you shouldn't be using those kind of devices. They're not designed to be consumer products. There's some major issues with safety. So UVC light is known to possibly cause skin cancer or eye damage. Depending on the frequency wavelength, it can be quite risky and unsafe. It's known to cause photocarcinogenic effects. There's no clear safety studies. And some of them are made by using mercury. If you damage it, you can be exposed. So so there's some major safety concerns uh, around those products. A lot of the devices out there, I think, are mismarketed because you feel like it's working, but the conditions to make it work are really not clear, and it may not have been thought through that way. Also, if you're not using proper shielding, like you should really always use eyewear if you're going to use these devices, and fully cover up your skin so you're not exposed. UV light works by causing mutations in DNA. It's not specific to DNA, so it can affect human DNA. So it just is so unclear whether it's safe and not proven to be effective, I don't think consumers should be using those products. Also, you'll see a lot of mismarketing around antimicrobial. Well, antimicrobial in general means antibacterial. The coronavirus is a virus. Viruses and bacteria are two different things. Um, With antimicrobial devices, you actually are making a claim that it will kill off bacteria. Usually that works as an inhibitor, so it prevents the growth or replication of bacteria, but they're different from viruses. The best way to describe a virus is it takes over your cell and then reprograms your cell, the DNA of your cell, to replicate itself. So produce tons and tons of copies of itself and then go and infect another human cell. The way they work is very, very different. I don't think as the average consumer or someone like myself is going to be able to understand all of that. However, I'm sure that what we can do, I'm sure what we can do is follow some safety procedures. When you go online or when you hear the health experts, they talk about the process of how you put your mask on, take it off, wash your hands, etc. How would you recommend if someone is going to be handling their phone on a regular basis, what would you say the procedure would be in terms of handling the phone, cleaning the phone, When do you do what in what order? I would say wash your hands, wash your device. And so wash your hands thoroughly. They recommend procedures to thoroughly wash your hands. So get in between the cracks. Make sure you don't have anything on the surface. And then take your device and put it under the sink with running water and soap. If you do that, that actually will disrupt the virus because the virus has a uh, lipid bilayer. And soap's already been proven to be quite effective there. And then afterwards, dry it and use isopropyl alcohol to disinfect the surfaces. So clean all around the outside surface. 
that's something I recommend that you do if you have a catalyst case. If you don't have a catalyst case, Apple recommends that you use isopropyl alcohol. And you just have to be very, very thorough about cleaning the device, but not getting alcohol into the ports of the devices. So you have to be careful around the different edges. I, I don't know if you've actually taken a case off a phone. They can be pretty disgusting with a lot of dirt inside. So it's, it's probably a good idea to clean it regularly if you're going to use your device. Definitely don't expose yourself if you're eating. If, you, if you're going outside um, and you're not going to socially distance, you could get contaminants on your device. So think of it as when you are exposing yourself, potentially exposing yourself and you're normally wearing a mask, you want to follow the same procedure to clean your device when you get home. That's uh, certainly some good food for thought. In, in between, you can also use hand sanitizer. So at most hand sanitizers are compounded formulations that use isopropyl alcohol or ethanol. So they will work. You should leave it on the surface and let it evaporate. I wonder how many people actually thought about this because they just don't think about it. They're they're concerned about their hands, they're concerned about their masks, but they don't necessarily think about their phone in terms of protecting them from this this horrible virus. I can tell you that healthcare workers think about this. If you're working in a job where you're treating COVID patients or you might be exposed to COVID, you are thinking about these kinds of things because you are using your device all day long and you could be exposed to the virus. And so a lot of people will go home, they'll take all their clothes off, they'll put them in the laundry with bleach, clean their clothes, um, and also try to find some way to clean their device. I've actually heard some really sad stories. The way COVID's working right now, a lot of people go into a hospital and because you have to isolate yourself, you just don't see your family members. And so for those patients that have severe COVID, they don't get to see their families anymore once they get dropped off at the hospital. And there's patients that are calling their their families to say goodbye using like borrowing the, the nurse's phone. You know, it's really, really sad. That's the only communication you really get to see um, to have before um, passing away for some people. You know, the only way you're going to talk to your family is using your device. Wow. If for no other reason, this is probably a really good idea to have a total protection case and follow a procedure to uh, to keep it clean. Mm-hmm. A couple of other questions about the case. It's probably got multiple pieces on the inside that we might think of as one piece, but it's probably multiple pieces. Is that? Yeah. If you look at the waterproof case, all the engineering details are built into the side of the product, inside sides. Even to do that rotating mute switch, I remember the first time we did that, there was more than five component parts to that. And that took a while just to dial in. We've really thought through all of these details and the devil is in the details and execution. That's why waterproof is so it's, it's going to be the weakest part that fails. Yeah. The waterproof case, how much bulk does it actually add to a typical case? Really very little. Like we have one of the slimmest profile cases. It's, it's really the minimal amount that you need to have the performance specs that you need. And we put all the engineering details on the edge of the case. So, so our cases are, look deceptively simple. Even how we built our waterproof seal is done fundamentally different. A lot of people will rely on two parts snapping together, and it's the snap force between the two parts that holds the seal in place. And we didn't do it that way. We actually use radial compression versus axial compression. 
there's a perpendicular force outwards to the outside edge of the case. And that's actually what creates the seal. Because we thought that, hey, if someone doesn't quite snap this in, it's it's actually going to affect the waterproofness of the case. So it works better, <laughs> in a nutshell. <laughs> it's, it's way more reliable, way more likely to be uh, waterproof uh, for longer. That's why we're we're just known for durability. Sorry, that was my technical answer. <laughs> if it's totally enclosed... How will it affect in terms of taking photos and and the sound? What about the sound coming through the speakers? So the sound is one of the most difficult things to do in the device. Um, With the iPhone, it's got two speakers and four microphones. When you have sound in a closed box system, sound goes in and then it goes back out and it goes through this feedback loop. And so you have to isolate your speakers and your microphones. This is something we figured out with our first waterproof case, because otherwise you get those echoes, you know, because you have sound output and then it goes right back into the speakers. And so that's something that we had to figure out. Some of those component parts that we have are just to really isolate the sound so that it works like it normally would. Apple has four microphones. And part of that is they have a beam forming technology. So if you have more than three sound sources, you can actually isolate a primary sound source from background noise. They've programmed into their audio codec that, hey, I can tell that the primary sound source is you right now, Garrick, but whatever the background noise is from the person in the next room is coming from really far away. I can triangulate now that I have three sound data sources and say, okay, that's just noise in the background and I'll just kind of dampen that down. We want to make sure that the iPhone can work natively, like it's designed to work, so that that still works. But we have to isolate speakers and microphones and, and make sure that they work. So we've actually built that into our cases. And then from the perspective of photos, we actually have an optical lens built into the case. And so it doesn't affect the optical clarity of the camera. So you have these types of cases for the, you have them for the iPhone, the iPad, the Apple Watch, and the Earpods, is that correct? That's, yes, that's correct. Okay. Now, I also understand that the company, because of the technology it's developed, that the company has also moved into specific PPE style or personal protective equipment style products as well. Could you share a little bit about that? Sure. We saw the need for companies to step up with what was happening in the world with covid And we started to do a line, a range of PPE, actually. So we started to build, source and build a traceable supply chain in PPE. And as we were doing this, we just saw that, you know, it's been the wild, wild west in that sector because we have a a global team, because we have people on the ground in China, we were able to go and validate suppliers, really verify that they were doing what they were saying that they, they were supposed to be doing. Because I had a background in science, I was able to find people who had experience working at the FDA. So we worked with a team of regulatory experts that were former FDA employees. And, you know, they have decades of experience at the FDA. And so in medical devices, actually, um, which is how PPE is regulated. So we're able to verify the claims of our suppliers. We had to validate testing. So what we saw were things like fake test lab reports, fake test labs, um, suppliers that weren't compliant with people. You're actually supposed to be able to pass a um, FDA audit every two years. Mm-hmm. So a lot of suppliers were going into PPE and just making stuff. They wouldn't ever have been compliant 
and their products didn't always work. And so it took us probably about six months of working with different suppliers to find a traceable supply chain that we could say, yes, this truly does work. We got FDA registered in that process. And we also created some products that were unique. So just looking at some of the limitations right now out there, because we're using masses, masks, we have a range of um, N95, KN95 respirators that are for healthcare workers. We have face shields that are really important if you're exposed to aerosolized or airborne transmission of COVID, because a lot of people don't have proper eye protection. There's a, sh- a shortage of these products. And then for outside of medical use, we realize that businesses also need this because they're interacting with people all day long. So if you're out in the public, you also need masks like disposable masks or face coverings, and they have to fit to your face in general, fully color cover your nose and mouth. And we were able to find good suppliers for that. One of the issues you have if you're wearing a mask with ear loops is your ears get really sore if you're having to wear that all day long and it can lead to a lot of ear pain and if you're wearing glasses or have hearing aids or anything like that that goes over your ear you're competing for space over your ear Um, and so that can lead to a lot of strain and and so people would take off their masks because it hurts Um, so we developed an extender that extends around the back of your head that's adjustable um, so that it's easier for businesses to give those to employees and, and so they can wear masks all day long. So we've got that comfort extender. We've got a mask wallet. So if you're going to go outside and you take a smoking break or you eat, you have to take off your mask, but there's no great place to put your mask. So if you put it on the surface face down, you're contaminating your table possibly. Or if you put it inside out, then you could get surface contamination on the inside of your mask and then breathe it in after. So you pretty much have to throw away that mask. Uh, a lot of people will pull down their mask under their chin. If you had any exposure to your virus on your neck, you could actually contaminate your mask then. So we looked and said, hey, there's actually no great way to really protect yourself. And we have a mask wallet for that reason. So if you're in a public space, the risk increases because of the, it's a function of the number of people you're exposed to. But in public spaces, you can't manage that. You, you just have a lot of people that might be in close proximity. They need signage to help direct them um, around a space because if I don't know you and you're a stranger, I won't know the rules of how to socially distance. So we started to think about some of the issues that businesses would have and come up with a product set that would help keep people safe. Well, I'm so glad I spoke with you today because I do the chin thing. Now I know that I shouldn't be doing it. I do have issues with my glasses and I find that the masks just make my ears so sore. I end up I don't take the mask off, but I pull the strings and I put my mask in a Ziploc bag when I'm not using it. So obviously I need to have a little bit more improvement in what I'm doing. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, June, this has been so enlightening. And, and not only that, you've provided us with some sage and some credible advice as, as a scientist and not just as a, <laughs> as a salesperson. If someone wanted to find out more about keeping themselves and their loved ones protected and they want to find out more about the cases and the products that you create and offer, where can they get more information? They can go to our website, catalystcase.com. So Catalyst is spelled C-A-T-A-L-Y-S-T. 
And uh, actually, we picked this name because one, our products enable you to go outside and do anything. And Catalyst is actually the thing that starts off, kicks off a chemical reaction. So it's kind of a nod to our science roots. Really, our products are about enabling you to go out and do whatever you need to do. And that's kind of a core theme of what we do in inventing products, thinking about be a catalyst for what you want to do. I'm really glad that you're doing what you're doing. Yeah, there's a huge need for education out there. And there's a gap in terms of credible sources. And that's partly why we're going out and spending the time and making the effort to educate consumers. In terms of informing yourself, there's a really great podcast called TWIV. This Week in Virology is the name of the podcast. And it's one of the few authoritative sources where a bunch of virologists get together and they talk about the truth of what's going on with COVID, COVID research, and virology in general. They'll look at peer-reviewed articles and say, hey, there's enough scientific evidence that backs up that this is actually working or not working. We'll certainly put the link to that in the show notes. June Lai, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for being on the program. Thank you, Greg. Once again, this is Greg Gazin. We appreciate you tuning in. Now, I'm not sure how you joined us, whether you joined us through directly through Toastcaster.com or iTunes, but either way, you can pick up the podcasts there. If you really enjoyed the podcast, we'd really appreciate if you took a moment to leave us some feedback on iTunes because it really helps with our ratings. Plus, also feel free to drop us a line. Tell us what types of things you're interested in, what your Toastmaster specialty is, or what kinds of things you like to speak about. And perhaps maybe we'll even have you on the show. This is Greg Gazin. Till the next time. This episode was sponsored by Corey Outsmarts the Butterflies. A new book by Greg Gazin, geared to ages 8 to 80. Whether you want to improve your speaking skills or build your confidence, this short read is suitable for all ages. It's available at outsmartingthebutterflies.com.